Welcome to the 52nd episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Today we're doing a breakdown of UFC 270. It's probably going to be a shorter episode. Uh, there is no big news to talk about other than UFC 270, obviously, and there is no card next week. So we're just going to focus on UFC 270. We're mainly going to look at the main card, and we're going to go into detail on both the main event and the co-main event, obviously. So to get it started, we're obviously going to start at the top. Surreal Gan versus Francis Ngannou. Now, I was so, so impressed by Francis in this fight, just taking into consideration that his first game plan did not work, right? He had to go to plan B. He had to go to the wrestling to win this fight. And that is not something that we have really seen him do. Um, we've seen moments where he has looked good on the ground. You know, he's got some submission victories, but we haven't seen the, you know, the, I'm going to take you down, I'm going to hold you down, and that's how I'm going to win this fight. And, you know, he could have very easily decided, you know, at the start of the third round, he could have easily decided, you know, I lost the first two rounds, and I'm just going to walk out here and start throwing windmills. And, you know, if I hit, I hit, and if I don't, I lose this fight, which is something that he could have easily done. Um, which he did not do. He went out there and said, okay, um, I don't really have it on the feet tonight the way I want it to, so I'm going to get some takedowns, get some control time, uh, land some ground and pound shots, and, you know, maybe chase a submission if I'm given something. So for Francis, that is a big growth in his game. And I'm not really surprised. I'm impressed, obviously. I'm very impressed that he was able to do this. I'm not necessarily surprised because when we look at his last couple fights, um, especially the Stipe fight, in the Stipe fight, you know, Stipe attempts to take down. Francis, you know, avoids the takedown, uh, stops the takedown. And from there, he circles to the back and starts throwing ground and pound. Now, that means a lot because if he wasn't comfortable on the ground, he doesn't circle to the back, right? He just gets up. Uh, he cuts him and gets up. Um, he also trains at Extreme Couture. If you train at, train at Extreme Couture, you're going to have good wrestling. Um, when the gym is named after Randy Couture, who is an Olympic wrestler, wrestling is going to be something that they want you to work on and they want you to be good at, which for Francis is a scary thought just because of his size, right? Um, he's so big and so strong that if he can really, you know, go out there and get takedowns and hold guys down, they're going to have a hard time getting up, even if he isn't the greatest wrestler, right? He showed some really, really strong wrestling in this fight, um, but it's not the the technique. Um, it's, it's the power that really gets it done for Francis. Um... And there's, there's areas in that fight where he gets a takedown and he's inside control and he's just, you know, got the shoulder in the chin of Surreal Gan and things like that. When you're that big, it really just wears on an opponent. And I think it's a very good addition to his game plan. Um, if he can work in wrestling late in fights uh, to win some rounds that are close, if he can work in wrestling to help open up some strikes, you know, he's a really, really dangerous fighter. And um, he did this 
in this fight, you know, you know, with his torn MCL and, and some ACL damage, we don't know um, the extent of the ACL damage, but the MCL was torn. And at the end of the day, I wonder how much that really affected his striking. Because if we're being honest, Cyril Gant did beat him in the first two rounds in, in striking exchanges. Now, if if the the knee was something that, you know, really inhibited Francis's mobility, you know, he looked very flat-footed, which is understandable with an MCL injury. Uh, he didn't throw a lot of kicks. Once again, understandable with an MCL injury. Um, so the striking didn't look as clean, and I think we can chalk that up to the knee injury. And I just think to myself, you know, I don't think that was the best Francis Ngannou that has stepped into the octagon, which sounds weird to say because he did show some great improvements. But I think if you compare the wrestling that he showed against Gan with the striking that he showed against Stipe, you know, that is a incredibly tough fighter to beat. And, you know, the big thing in the Stipe fight that I like so much is he was throwing some leg kicks. He threw he threw a couple head kicks in there, and it really diversify, diversifies the striking. And when you're fighting a guy like Surreal Gan, um, when you're fighting a guy like Surreal Gan, being able to hit leg kicks is a great game plan just because he's so light on the feet, right? It's just the same reason people kick out Dominic Cruz in the leg, you know, to, to when someone has elite mobility, you know, if you can damage that, if you can damage their movement, if you can restrict their movement, it makes it a lot easier to beat them. So he went in there without being able to enforce that game plan and still got to win. So absolute credit to Francis Ngannou for his incredible incredible ability to adapt, overcome, and, and go out there and get a victory. And for Surreal Gan, I am not, you know, down on Surreal Gan at all. If you were to just watch the first two rounds, you would probably probably think that Surreal Gan wins that fight. Um, he had two really strong first rounds. He stayed on the outside, landed some really strong jabs, landed some really strong kicks, and um, very impressed with his performance on the feet. Um, when you get to the ground, he made some decisions that are like, eh, why are you doing that, you know? Um, if you, you know, when he, he went for a heel, or he went for a heel hook at one point, and Francis got on top, you know, there's just some points where you're like, eh, that probably wasn't the best decision. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not his bread and butter. He's a kickboxer. You're going to have those things. So um, at the end of the day, I, I am impressed with both guys. Um, but Francis obviously just blew me away with his um, improved ground game and ability to overcome some issues that he faced. Now, what is next for both of these guys? Now, we're firstly, obviously, we're going to talk about Francis and Ngannou. And when we're talking about Francis, let's just assume that he re-signs with the UFC and everything's cool, right? Is there a possibility that that's not the case? Yes, that could, that could easily happen, that Francis and the UFC don't get along and, and he walks away. That's a possible outcome, but um, I'm not in the negotiation. I'm not, you know, 
talking to Francis or talking to Daniel. So I have no clue how these negotiations are going to play out. So I'm not going to dwell on something that I really can't predict. Um, and I don't even know how much Francis is asking for his, his, um, disclosed pay, uh, was 600 K last night. You don't know if he's asking for 20 million. You don't know if he's asking for 1 million. So really, I'm not going to sit here and talk about these negotiations like I know what I'm talking about. So for the purpose of this, we're just going to talk about um, hypothetical Francis, you know, is staying in the UFC. And um, the biggest thing is boxing, right? Now, I know I said stay in the UFC, but realistically, um, the UFC could cross promote. They've done it before. And um, that's an option. Now, with that being said, I don't think right now is the best time to go box, right? When you watch this fight, you're not like... When you watch this fight, you you see him lose the exchanges on the feet and get takedowns and, and win the fight on the ground, which is no problem in MMA, right? But if you're promoting a boxing fight with the heavyweight champions you know in my opinion if you're francis you got to go out there and knock somebody out right if if he were to go do tyson if he would have done tyson fury right after stipe he's coming off a vicious ko right um this is a, is a decision where he won three rounds I, I it just doesn't feel like the same to me if he goes on and takes on another opponent and hits him with an uppercut like he did Alistair Overeem, it's a lot easier to sell that boxing match, right? Um, if, you know, it, it just makes more sense to me that he goes and gets another win in the UFC and, and finds a knockout. It just makes it way easier to promote. Because if you're looking at that fight, if you're looking at Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou in boxing, and you have to say, well, you know, his last fight, he was getting beat on the feet, um, and he did tremendous things in one uh, via wrestling. It's not a bad thing in MMA. In boxing, it would be. And I don't think, I, or, I think that the knee injury played a factor, right? And I don't think that was the best striking we will see from Francis. And I think that in the very, you know, in his next fight, he's probably going to look 10 times better on the feet. The problem is, you know, not many people know that, right? Unless you're very close to the sport, you're not going to understand that while the the MCL was gone, he couldn't really throw as well. It just, it you know, it's harder to promote to a casual audience, which if you're doing a UFC versus uh, boxing, you need to hit the casual audience. It's like when you look at Conor, he went and fought Floyd after he became the double champ and after he just put on a beautiful masterclass of striking against Eddie Alvarez. So just a quick summary, just go knock somebody out, right? Knock somebody out, put on a tremendous display of striking, and then go finish somebody. And at that point, I think boxing is a real play that would make a lot of money. Now, I don't think is the peak for uh, the peak in terms of pay-per-view buys or audience or reach. Um, any of those things. I just think now is not the time based off his performance against Surreal Khan. And, and that's not an insult because 
like I just said, the knee uh, really inhibited his ability to strike. Now, um, with that being said, if we don't go to boxing, what do we do? Um, it's John Jones, right? John Jones has been talking um, that he is getting to 265. He wants to be big, and he is going to fight the winner. Now, that sounds all good and great, but Francis and John Jones was supposed to take place before Stipe versus Ngannou. So, is this fight really going to happen? You know, I, I'm not putting my eggs in, in, I'm not putting, you know, everything that, you know, I believe in, you know, I, I, I'm not betting on John Jones to fight again anytime soon, right? Um, it sounds all good and well, but, you know, what happens when John Jones pulls the same card he did last time was the, I want Deontay Wilder money, which the UFC isn't going to give you Deontay Wilder money. Even if, even if you think John Jones is worth that much, it's it's not going to happen. So, especially John Jones really has no leverage, right? People have not seen John Jones fight in a year and a half, two years, you know, at, at least a year, and people aren't really missing John Jones all that much. People were really excited for this heavyweight fight, right? And that's without John Jones really in the picture. Now he's in the picture again. So does Francis versus John Jones sell well? Yes. Can Francis do some other things, uh, especially if the UFC doesn't want to pay John Jones? Yes. Now, is John Jones versus Francis the fight that I want to see and most people want to see? Yes. So I think if the UFC can come to terms with John Jones and with Francis Ngannou, very easy fight to make. But those are two big hurdles that the UFC has not overcome um, recently. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can book that matchup. And if they can't, they're going to have to start looking at other options in the heavyweight division to, you know, for a fight with Francis Ngannou. And there really isn't a ton of options right now, um, today. You know, in two months, there might be a clear contender, which I think it's fine because Francis is going to have to recover from this knee injury regardless, right? You could do the trilogy with Stipe. Um, that makes a level of sense. They've split 1-1. One, one, but at the end of the day, I think the UFC is going to want to see Stipe get a win against a contender before they throw him in there for a championship fight. When you're looking at... Derek Lewis is the third-ranked guy. He's taking on Tai Tuivasa. And if you get a win over Tai Tuivasa, does that earn you the right to fight for the belt again? Uh, possibly. You know, he did beat Francis once. Was that the most entertaining fight? No. Um, do I think that that fight plays out differently in 2022? I, I think it does. So that might be an option the UFC goes. And another question is, if Tai Tuivasa beats Derek Lewis next month, does he get a title shot? He would have beaten the number three ranked guy, right? However, it would be his only top 10 win. I think it would be an interesting discussion. Um, you know, it obviously depends on how he wins, but um, Tai Tuivasa could work his way to a title shot. Um, Alexander Volkov versus Tom Espinal just got booked. 
for UFC London. I th- Ooh, I don't remember the date on that. My apologies, but it's it's later. It's it's a couple months away. But if Tom Aspinall or Alexander Volkov catches a really impressive win, maybe you throw them in there. Um, the problem with a lot of these heavyweight contenders is I think a lot of them need two wins, right? I think Volkov would need two wins before he gets a title shot. Um, Jarzinho Rosenstrike probably needs two wins. Dauskas probably still needs two more. Tom Aspinall, tied to Ivasa. You know, these guys all probably need two wins before they get a title shot. Now, could that be a good thing if, um, you know, they don't want to give it to Stipe and they want to let Francis, you know, recover from his MCL and get surgery? Could it be a good thing? Yes. If the UFC is patient with it, it, it could actually play out well. Now, for Surreal Gan, I think the best option for him is Stipe. Um, you know, they, they're both coming off losses to Nganu. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, he, you're looking at a Curtis Blades fight. Um, so I think that, I think that Stipe versus Surrogan makes sense. You got interim champ versus former champ and the winner would put themselves in a really strong position to fight again for the title. And both of those guys obviously want to rematch in Ghana. So I think that would be uh, beneficial for both those guys. And I think it would be a very entertaining fight as well now moving on Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno another tremendous fight between uh, these two guys and I think the biggest difference here in between the first fight the second fight and the third fight is Figgy had a really good weight cut um, and that kind of helped him in terms of just you know performance right if you, if you come in too depleted to have a tough weight cut, you're just not going to fight as well. It's just That's just the way it is. So he came in with a much better weight cut and performed a lot better. And I don't know if there's an analytical way. Obviously, you can, anal- you can, you can look at the, the close details and notice things, the things that these guys did in this fight. Um, that differ from the first and second fight, but I don't know if there's anything drastic, you know, nobody came out and, and really switched things up and did something that you were like, oh, I, I didn't think Brandon Moreno was going to do that, or I didn't think Figgy was going to do that, right? It was a lot of the same, but at the end of the day, Figueredo was just able to land more shots in comparison to the second fight, you know, he was able, just simply able to hit Moreno more, and he hit him with more power shots, right? in comparison to that second fight. And um, in the second fight, I think the biggest thing that Moreno had that helped him win that fight was the timing. There's a lot of moments in that fight where, you know, Figgy's throwing something wide, he's throwing a, or he's throwing like a long straight, and, and the punch takes a second to get there, and Moreno, can, Moreno steps in and lands a really nice jab. And he had some really strong head movement and was he was he was just on point, on point all night, right? And really good head head movement as well in the second fight to avoid a lot of shots. So I don't want to say Moreno didn't look as good in this third fight because he still looked great, right? You don't go to a five round decision with DV San Figueredo in a fight where you realistically could score it either way. If you're not a great fighter. So Moreno is still a great fighter. But I, I just think he didn't perform 
quite as well as he did in the second fight. And there's no shame to that because that second fight against Figgy was an all-time great performance uh, for, for a title challenger. So I'm not mad at it, right? You're going to have up and you're going to, you know, look at Francis, for example. Francis didn't look the best like we just talked about. Uh, Moreno wasn't, I don't think, 100% where he could have been. Um, and, and that's not a diss, right? Um, because at the end of the day, it, he still went out there and put on a great performance. Um, the one thing I would have liked to see more from Brandon Moreno is takedowns. Um, I think takedowns are a really good way to edge a close fight, right? And, you know, in the fifth round was when he got his biggest takedown of the fight, and he wins that round if he doesn't get um, knocked down. Now, a lot of people are talking about the knockdown, and, you know, some people are saying, you know, he, it doesn't hit real clean, or it hits clean, but Moreno is still composed, right? And he just falls and gets back up. Um, that's probably true. I don't think that is the type of strike where, it, it, you know, the fight, it wasn't a fight ender or, you know, there wasn't the potential for Figueredo to finish the fight after that punch. But it still scores very strongly on the judges' scorecards. And I think that if Moreno works in a little bit more offensive wrestling, especially in, in the close rounds that he lost, and maybe if he could find a takedown in round one and have some control time or, or round three, you, you never know what happens. And um, the reason that I, I think he should have attempted more takedowns and really worked for offensive grappling is he was winning a lot of the grappling exchanges. You know, Figueredo attempted a lot of takedowns, a lot of takedowns. And really, Brandon Moreno stuffed all of them, I think, except for one. And in the one takedown that Figgy got, Moreno hits a nice Gramby and gets out of it with, without um, having too much um, time on bottom, right? So, and, and on top of that, he did submit him in the first or in the second fight, right? And he win, he was winning a lot of transitions as well. A lot of the transitions, he was coming out on top. He wasn't in top position. But he was winning because his goal was to escape. He escaped. He, he won the exchange. Um, but I, th I would have liked to see him try to transition more to some top control and see if he could find a submission. Because um, I think when you submit somebody once, they have to respect your submissions. So um, I would have liked him to see him work that in a little bit more. Then he could have spent a little bit less time on the feet. You know, maybe you don't get hit with... Uh, a, a big shot and get and get put down and uh you you don't know how the judges score that fight but um either way um that fight was a tremendous fight and I don't want to sound like I'm being super critical of Brandon Moreno because I think Brandon Moreno is a tremendous 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 fighter um but he didn't you know, put on his best performance, right? His best best performance was the second fight. Um, he just looked crisp, and he didn't look quite as good in this third fight, right? I don't know how to describe it, but it looked like there was just something, you know, something was a tick under where he was in that second fight. 
Once again, it's fine. It happens. He's still a tremendous fighter, and he almost won that fight, right? If he would have won that fight, we're still having the same discussion, but it's even more impressive. And a lot of people did think he won that fight. And um, at the end of the day, you know, however the judges would have scored that, it's okay, right? Those are, that was an all-time close fight. Um, 20 or three rounds to two, either way, you did, it's an okay scorecard. It's not a robbery. If you think Moreno won, that's fine. If you think Figgy won, that's fine. As long as you scored it three rounds to two, either way, that's a good scorecard, right? No arguments on the scorecard. Um, and moving forward for both of these guys, we got to do the fourth fight, right? Um, as much as we've never seen a fourth fight and, you know, it's not ideal. You know, at the end of the day, these guys have split 1-1-1, one, 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 right? We got one win for each guy and a draw on there. That's as even as it gets, right? And even in the one where Figgy won, that's an, as close of a fight as you can have. These two guys are evenly matched, right? And in this fourth fight, winner takes all. Somebody gets a second win here, unless we get another draw, which would be not a great outcome. Um, but someone gets a win, and they put a stamp on, on this great run of fights. Because at the end of the day, that, that first fight was a fight of the night. Third fight was a fight of the night. And the second fight was an all-time great performance by Brandon Moreno. So we have seen three incredible fights. Um, you can put this on a card and you know it's going to be a great fight. You know people are going to be hyped for it. So at that point, you might as well do the fourth fight. And with that being said, it's obviously not ideal. It sucks for Alexander Pantoja. It sucks for Askar Askarov. It sucks for Kaikar France. It sucks for Brandon Royval. But looking at it optimistically, one of those guys can, you know, go out there and, you know, they can pair those people, they can pair those guys up and someone can be a clear title challenger um, for after those guys get their business done. Because right now, you can make a case for Pantoja. You can make a case for Askarov. Even Kaikar France. Um, so, right now, you know, take that time to get another win and really cement yourself as the next title challenger. And I think it could be a blessing in disguise for one of these guys. Now, um, with that being said... We're done talking about Brendan Moreno and DVC and Figueredo. We're going to move to the next fight on the card, which was Michelle Pereira. Excuse me. Versus Andrea Fialo. Now, um, at the end of the day, this was another tremendous fight. Um, and... Um, Fiala was a big underdog coming in, and he made Michelle Pieta fight. Uh, Michelle Pieta is going to fight. I, I guess that was a bad boy to describe it. Andre Fialo brought the fight, right? Michelle Pieta always brings a fight, but Andre Fialo brought one as well. And so impressed with both of them, especially Andre Fialo, because he was coming in on short notice, fighting a tough guy who was supposed to be fighting a ranked opponent because originally it was Muslim... Um, Muslim, yeah, Muslim Salikov was the original opponent, um, 15 ranked guy. So Michelle Pieta is obviously a respected opponent. And Fialo comes in and puts on a really good performance, can't get the win, 
But um, at the end of the day, um, I think he earned a lot of people's respect. And Michelle Pieda is one of my favorite fighters to watch. You know, even if you eliminate the wacky, funny stuff he does and the crazy backflips, if you take that out, at the end of the day, he throws really clean hands. He throws a really, really nice teep, which is something that he does so well. And he constantly hits that strike. And he's fun to watch. <clears throat> Man, sorry again. But, you know, he had to work to win this fight. You know, this was not handed to him. Um, even though he was a big favorite, he had to go out there and earn it. And he earned it. So, respect to Michel Pieta for his performance. And you can make the case that he's going to be fighting in the top 15 again. Um, if you're looking at the rankings... You know, right off the bat, you um, you know, you've got Muslim Salikov at 15, who he was scheduled to fight. Um, that could be something you go back to. Santiago Ponzinibbio, not a bad matchup. Li Jingliang, not a bad matchup. Uh, Jeff Neal, not a bad matchup. So there's a lot of uh, good areas that you can go with Michelle Pieda moving forward. <clears throat> my apologies, my goodness. Um, and then Saeed Nurmagomedov probably had the most impressive performance of the night. Um, just the way he fights, you know, the, the kicks to the body, the back fists. I mean, it's tremendous. Obviously has the great grappling. And... So fun to watch. Great diversity in, in the strikes and the stand-up. Really, really fun to watch. And, you know, he's landing good on the feet. Cody attempts to take down, and he finds himself a submission victory early on. And people don't just do that to Cody Stammen. It just doesn't happen like that. If you look at Cody's resume, you know, he got submitted by Aljamain Sterling in the second round. That's Aljamain Sterling. He is one of the best 135-pounders in the world, and he fought Jimmy Rivera to a you know decision where he lost, and his other loss um, in the UFC is to Marab, where he fought to a decision with Marab, and you know once again he doesn't come out on top, but Marab didn't finish him in under a minute. You know what I mean? So, and then even his wins as well. Brian Kelleher, you know, he's fought good opponents. And, you know, he fought to a draw with Song Yadong. So, Cody Stammen is no bum, right? And for Saeed Nurmagomedov to walk in and do this is incredibly, incredibly impressive. Um, the question is, what is next for Saeed Nurmagomedov? 135 pounds is stacked, so it's going to be tough to get a ranked fight. But I think you got to give him a ranked guy. If you don't give him a ranked guy, you got to give him someone just outside those rankings. Um, you know, I think Rafael Asuncao at 15 is a good entry. I like entering guys at the 15th spot in the ranking. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, and then... Um, if that's not the fight, if if they're if they want to give him another unranked guy first, you know, Kyler Phillips fights next weekend. Not a terrible opponent. Um, 
you know, Holly and Piva fight or Holly and Piva is unbooked. You know, that could be a good entry. Casey Kenny, you know, there's some names um, that uh, could make a lot of sense. Um, Brian Callagher, even, you know, you could give him some give you regardless. You have to give him a respectable name. I think it needs to be someone ranked, but I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC gives him someone just outside, but it's got to be a respectable name because um, he looked great. And for Cody Stammen, give him a, give him a, don't give him another Nurmagomedov. Don't give him, you know, Mozart, Evelev, or, you know, give him a little bit of something where he can get back on track because Cody Stammen is a very talented guy. But he just keeps running into the best of the best, right? He's running into people at bad times, right? You know, um, he was Marab's, you know, fight that got him boosted in the rankings. Um, he was, um, he was Saeed Nurmagomedov's first big, big test. So just give Cody, you know, a little bit of a. I don't want to say step down in competition, but good Lord, don't give him somebody who could be a champion in the next year and a half, two years, right? It just relax on Cody Simon. Give him, give him somebody, you know, give him somebody and go in there and, you know, maybe do something with, you know? And the last thing before we get out of here is two prospects who I thought performed really well. I'm not going to go in depth on their fights just because, there isn't much to say. They both just look really good. Landed some nice shots. Got their opponent out of there. Michael Morales versus Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles, a really respectable opponent. So for a 12-0 and um, youngster to go in there and knock Trevin Giles out is very impressive. And Jack Della Mandalena um, also had a very strong performance against Pete Rodriguez. Pete Rodriguez, not as respected as an opponent as Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles is a UFC veteran. Pete Rodriguez is not. Um, with that being said, Jack still looked very, very well. Um, very, very good, excuse me. He, you know, landed the the hit. Okay, his ability to get out of range and, and fire back was very impressive. Very impressed with both of those two guys. Um, I wanted to mention them before we get out of the, get out of here because I really liked watching both their fights. So I didn't want to just uh, skip it. And um, we were a short episode, so we had we had time to say a couple words about them. But with that being said, I know it was a short episode, but I'm not gonna sit here and talk about you know random what ifs with you all day. Um, you know, we ran out of news and that's okay. So thank you for watching this episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Um, I don't know if I'm going to film something next week. So, uh, cause there is no fight card on Saturday. And, um, if there's nothing to talk about, I'm not going to set up and talk about nothing, right? Um, if there's something to talk about, I'll record. You'll know on Sunday, you'll find out. It's pretty easy to tell if I post it or not. Um, with that being said, I will be back the week after for sure because we've got fight night, which is Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland. There were some nice fights on that card. A lot of guys that you, you don't want to miss fight. Um, so that's a good fight night card. And I'll make sure 
to talk about that. So um, until next time, thank you so much for watching this episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Goodbye.